Hey, well, good morning, Grumlaw Church. Thank you so much for joining us here today uh, online. Uh, isn't this great? You get to just join us here from the comfort of your living room or your kitchen. There might be kids like frantically running around behind you. Maybe you're just peacefully laying in bed with your spouse because you don't have kids yet. Whatever the case may be, we are just glad that you decided to make Grumlaw a part of your week. Uh, if you are new around here, I, I just want to let you know that we are so, again, thankful that you decided uh, to make Grumlaw a part of your morning. We certainly do not take that for granted. Obviously, this whole online experience allows you to just kind of get a glimpse of what we are all about. We hope that eventually, uh, someday, you will certainly join us online. Now, as that video suggested, uh, today we are continuing. In fact, we are actually wrapping up this series that we have been in titled Mastermind. Change your thinking, change your life. The, the life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. For, for better or for worse, as we've hit on every single week, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so the question that we have been posing to you throughout this series is, are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? If you want to change your life, then you must change your thinking. As every single one of us have experienced, Christian or not, most of life's battles, in fact, are won or lost in the mind. It is impossible for you to have a positive life while also being consumed with negative thoughts. What comes into your mind, one way or another, is going to come out in your life. Uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, I have had more emails, uh, more texts, more people pull me aside after church telling me things like, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear, more than literally any series that we have ever done. So, if you have not been here for every single week of this series, uh, today is indeed part four of four. I would really, really encourage you to head over to grumlaw.com slash messages, get yourself caught up there. Easy easier than ever right now because, again, you're joining us online. You literally are just a mouse click away. You can listen to the messages there. You can watch the messages there. Or as always, you can find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you happen to grab your podcast. Now, in this series, uh, we've been specifically looking into the mind and the teaching of a guy who went by the name of Paul. Paul, perhaps more than anything else, was a master of his thoughts. This guy, Paul, was a master of his thinking. We talked about last week that one of Paul's greatest dreams that was someday he would eventually be able to travel to Rome. Rome was arguably the most influential city in the entire ancient world, and he figured, man, if I can get to Rome and tell some of these most influential people in one of the most influential cities about Jesus, imagine what that would do for the kingdom of God. Uh, but it didn't exactly go according to Paul's dream. Rather than traveling to Rome as, as a free man, he, he instead found himself in prison for his beliefs. But, but rather than cursing God, rather than being upset with God, rather than turning from God, rather than running away from the church, he reframed what we talked a little bit about last week, and he actually saw it as an opportunity for God. One of the things that he actually accomplished while he was in prison was the writing of the letter to this early Christian church in an area called Philippi, uh, and hence the title for this letter, Philippians. 
And as we read some of these words right now from Philippians, I want you to keep forever in your mind that he was again writing these words from a Roman prison cell. Not, not exactly the greatest of circumstances. So here we pick up in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul's words, he says, do not be anxious about anything. He's like, anxiousness belongs in no part in your life, but in every situation, every situation that you face, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Can I just pause real quick? And talk about the fact that we planned this series. This series was on the books literally months and months ago. We planned this service about six weeks ago. I don't think it's an accident that we're talking about this today, the peace of God on a day when there has been so much chaos at a time right now in our world where things seem so out of control. I mean, again, what a great planner that God is. He definitely foresaw this coming. This has not caught him off guard, but back to our scripture here. It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He continues, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Don't be consumed by the things of the world. Think about those things. And he wraps it up by saying, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. We talk about this all the time. We don't want to just be a church of hearers. We don't want to just be a church of listeners, but we want to be known by our doing, by actually putting this stuff into practice. And the God, here it is, back to this idea, that this God of peace that our world so desperately needs, that perhaps you so desperately need right now, the God of peace will be with you. I went to a Catholic high school. I've shared a little bit about that uh, with some of you, uh, and, and so I got exposed to Catholic Mass and the Catholic Church. Many of you grew up in a Catholic background, and, and one of the things you will recall if, if you were ever a part of the Catholic Church is that a priest will often say to you, peace be with you. And, and, and if you grew up in the Catholic Church, what do you say back in those situations? Peace be with you. You got it, exactly. And also with you. But as you probably figured out, we're really not much of a traditional church, so why don't you, I know this is a little weird because, again, we're not actually sitting here face-to-face right now. Whoever you're next to, even if you're not next to anyone, do go ahead and just give an air one. Go ahead and fist bump the person next to you and go ahead and let them know, get you some peace, okay? That was like the cheesiest thing that we'll ever do. How many of you would admit that sometimes you have runaway thoughts, you sometimes have these irrational worries, these anxieties, these fears that tend to get the best of you. My mom, uh, growing up, she was a mother that would always insist on, on getting us outside. We were not a family that, you know, spent very much time indoors. We didn't have video game systems growing up. It was always like, get outside. Didn't really matter what the weather like was like. It didn't really matter what the season was like. And that included even in our, like, doom and gloomy winters. In fact, one of my favorite activities with my mom growing up was that she would often take us outside in the winter, and we would go for a walk on the ice. There was a lake kind of like kitty corner to where we lived, and we'd get out on that ice, and there was just some kind of magical about the fact that the very waters that you would be swimming in in the summer were now these lakes that were completely frozen that you could spend time on in the winter. Uh, but I still remember this. My dad, when he was younger, he would always tell my mom, because she was always taking us for walks on the ice, he would always remind my mom, do not go down the canals. 
Under no circumstances are you to go out on the canal, stay on the main body of water, because the canals will often have moving water underneath them. The ice isn't quite as thick, so avoid the canals like the plague, only stay on the main body of water. Uh, well, back when I was in like second, third grade, apparently my mom thought that like every part of the lake was safe to walk down, and she violated my dad's imperative. She violated this command and decided with me and my younger brother in a sled towing behind her to go venturing down into a canal. And I even remember as this young child thinking to myself, this is exactly what dad told us not to do. So here we went down this canal, and about halfway down this canal till we reached the end of it, the, the ice kind of starts cracking, but if you've ever walked on lakes in the winter, you know this, it kind of shifts a little bit, it makes weird noises, so my mom must have not really thought anything of it, but all of a sudden we hear this big crack, and wouldn't you know it, my mom drops down through the ice, and here I am, this second, third grade kid, looking now as my mom has just disappeared right in front of my eyes. Now, here's the good part of the story. Uh, fortunately for her, this canal, uh, it wasn't very deep water. So, so eventually, as she fell through, her feet just caught the ground, and she was able to stand up, and it was about up to her neck, and she was able to crawl her way out of the ice. But nonetheless, really, really traumatizing for a young child, right? I I'm watching, thinking, oh my goodness, I'm never going to see my mom again. And here she does. She crawls her way back out of the ice, and then she had a very, very cold, about half a mile walk back to our home, again, still dragging her two children behind her. Till to this day, because of what happened on that one particular afternoon, I am terrified of going down canals in the winter. There could be other tracks. Other people could have told me just minutes earlier, hey, we, we've been down there. It's going to be fine. You don't have to worry about it. The ice is plenty thick. And I'm like, no, I've seen this play out before. My mom took that walk down that canal before, and she went through. My mother almost died because of this. I am not about to try this again. For, for, for some of you, you, you're so worried about your grades because if you, don't, if you don't ace that exam, if you don't ace that test, then that means that you're not going to be able to get into that college. And if you don't get into that college, then you're not going to be able to find the right job. And if you don't find the right job, you're not going to find that perfect spouse because that perfect spouse isn't going to want to date somebody that isn't educated. And if you don't find that perfect spouse, then you are never going to be able to start a family. It's just like one thing after another. Some of you, you're so terrified about what's going on with your kids. That, that your children's hanging out with the, that, that wrong group of kids at school, and if they keep hanging out with those kids, then it's going to turn into drugs and, and sex and probably rock and roll, right? And, and then it's going to lead to all these other terrible vices because they're hanging out with the wrong group of kids, shootings and STDs and probably some crystal meth. And then this all keeps you up at night, and you start getting headaches because you can't sleep, and then, oh my goodness, maybe I have brain cancer. Come on, let's just right now have a bit of a online group therapy session. Let's have some bonding as a church community. We can get pretty crazy with our thoughts, right? So, so, so this morning, let's talk about worry and the mind. As we've been speaking about throughout this series, your life, your life will always, is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, now, now, this is obviously a really, really good thing if you're thinking about, as Paul said, what is true and, and what is lovely and, and what is admirable and, and what is pure. That This isn't very good news for you if you're focused on worry and anxiety and fear. But, but why is it? 
Maybe you've wrestled with this before. Maybe you've tried to solve this riddle. Well, why is it that our minds often compound that fear? As we've done quite a bit in this series, we're going to nerd out here for just a couple of minutes where we're going to find the nerdy answer for this answer. In our brains, there's this little almond shape that's referred to as the amygdala. Everybody say amygdala. I don't know if you actually said it. Hopefully you did. The amygdala, you can see where it's actually at in your brain right there. Whenever you're afraid, the amygdala is kicking into full gear. It's, it's actually, wouldn't you know it, a very, very helpful part of the brain that is wired for survival. It's wired to make us afraid so that we will flee from those things that are ultimately going to harm us. It's like this little almond that's up in our brains that is responsible for fear. So, so, so the next time you're having that kind of leisurely stroll through a park, through your backyard, and, and you come across a, a snake, and everything inside of you tells you to like drop what you're doing, like sprint, head for the hills, get away from the snake. That is your amygdala sending adrenaline into your body to get the heck away from snakes because snakes are evil. I'm pretty sure that they are from Satan. But here's the problem. The amygdala is not objective. The, the only role that the amygdala has in your body is to protect which is why, and I know we're digging in, we're getting a little bit nerdier right here, the amygdala needs help from your prefrontal cortex. This, the prefrontal cortex, is the logical part of your brain. This is the part of the brain that speaks up when the amygdala begins to get out of control. For instance, in the middle of the night, when you hear that noise in your living room, and everything inside of you says to, you better go out there and do something about the intruder that is definitely in your house because they are going to kill your entire family, the prefrontal cortex begins to kick in in those scenarios and says, nope, that's not an intruder. That is probably the Roomba running into something again. And then it further communicates to you that, that maybe you should just vacuum your house like a normal human being rather than having like this strange sphere circulate around in your home at all hours of the day. God very intentionally gave us both of these parts of the brain to work together, not independent of themselves. Without the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala simply responds to programming. It, it tells you those things, like in my brain, avoid all canals in the winter. If you decide to go walking down a canal in the winter, you are going to die. Many of you, because of how you have lived, your brain has been programmed to respond to triggers that take you in a completely unhealthy warpath that's full of worry and fear and anxiety. Come on, some of you that are listening to this right now, you're on one of those war paths right now because of what is going on in our world. Now, I have something very exciting to share with all of you. Here is what is really, really, really great about all of this, and this is one of the many reasons that I think every single one of you watching right now ought to be a Jesus follower. Jesus is anti-worry. Jesus is anti-fear. Jesus is anti-anxiety. See, Jesus didn't say, let your hearts be troubled. 
No, no, no. He said, let your hearts not be troubled. When the angel came down to predict the birth of Jesus, the angel didn't say glory to God in the highest stress and anxiety on earth. No, no, that angel said peace on earth. Paul did not say, he didn't communicate to us, be anxious about everything. No, instead, while in prison, facing more trying circumstances than any of us will likely encounter in an entire lifetime, he said these words. He said, do not be anxious about anything, nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, because that is who God is, he is a peaceful, loving, compassionate God, which transcends all understanding. He's acknowledging, he's going, listen, that this level of peace, it won't even make sense to you. That will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about financial issues. Don't be anxious about job loss. Don't be anxious about addiction. Don't be anxious about something that's circulating in our world right now that we have no ability to control. But in every situation, when you head into that job interview, when you're facing challenges in your marriage, when you're facing challenges in your parenting, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And you all, Paul was not writing this from like this self-helpy standpoint. He was living it. He, he was experiencing this peace of God in the midst of horrendous circumstances and massive uncertainty regarding his future. He did not know what the light was at the end of the tunnel. He had no idea how God was going to use him exactly. He was just taking it one situation, one day at a time. You all, this is the power of prayer. When you spend time in prayer, when you spend time regularly communicating to God, sharing honest thoughts with Him, and by the way, that, that's all prayer really is, you begin to experience this peace that you've never felt before, that, that truly doesn't make sense. As we've talked about many, many, many times before, God actually already knows what you want. God knows what you need long before you ever open your mouth. The, the, the purpose of prayer is not to convince God of things. It's not to have this sort of like lucky rabbit foot. It's not this get out of jail free card. It's so, so that we can begin to experience a peace that can only come from God. And you experience that peace when you spend regular time with him alone, undistracted, just you and him. Sharing those honest feelings with him. Sharing those fears with him. But unfortunately, for most of you that are watching here today, prayer typically becomes the last resort. It's the thing that you do when nothing else by your own power has actually seemed to work. We, we literally say things like this all the time. Welp, I guess that all we can do now is pray. C can you imagine, just come on, let's go here mentally for a minute. Can you imagine what God is thinking in these moments? 
We're like, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. I'm sure our Heavenly Father really, really enjoys hearing that. He's like, man, I I am super pumped that I am optioned like 358. This was never the purpose of prayer. It it was never meant to be this last line of defense. It, It was always instead meant to be the first line of offense. Because not only does prayer move the heart of God because he's a loving, he's a kind, he's a compassionate God. That's who he is. It changes, literally, it changes the chemistry in your brain. Think about it. When you pray, the the creator of the heavens and the earth is listening to you. The the, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb. The, The God who has the very hairs on your head numbered. That relationship is being built one prayer, one honest thought. One conversation at a time, just like any other earthly relationship that you have here. Your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with the person that you are closest to. It wasn't built randomly, haphazardly, when you only talk to that person when you seemingly want to. But no, it was built through consistent dialogue, consistent talking with one another. Prayer renews and transforms your mind. See, the silver lining of prayer, it isn't that God is just going to give you everything that you ask for. Because, come on, you are all smart enough to know that if that would have been the case, then every single one of you would have been driving Lamborghinis when you turned 16. You all would have won the lottery by now. And every single one of you would have married the hottest guy or the hottest girl from your high school. You are smart enough to know that that is not the case. No, no, no. The reward of prayer, and God and Jesus, they actually speak about this, that there is a reward when we get prayer right. The reward of prayer is that you begin to experience a peace that God is with you. Whether he says yes, no, or nothing at all. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. And the reason that I highlight this and the reason that we put it up here again is because if you're skeptical, if you hear this and it all sounds like a fairy tale, it all sounds too good to be true, if you're dubious, if this sounds like way too far-fetched in your mind, Paul has actually already beat you to the punch. He is well aware that this sounds that way. He's fully acknowledging that this is tough. That that, that if you've never experienced this peace that transcends all understanding before, that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he he understands why this would be difficult for you to get your head around. But but, but come on, y'all. This is why we call it faith. At a certain point, you have to hand over some control. At a certain point, you have to trust. And you have to be actually get to this point where you say, okay, I'm actually going to give this an honest shot. Rather, and so many of us play this role, rather than continuing to sit back, play the role of skeptic, and accusing people like me of being an easily brainwashed hipster. And come on. 
Let, let, let me twist the knife here for all of you just a little bit more. What do you have to lose? Be, be, because aren't you tired of being controlled? Or aren't you tired of being manipulated by fear and worry and anxiety? Why not give this a shot? Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's an author of many, many books, she's done extensive studies on the brain. In one of her books titled Switch on Your Brain, she has these words. It says, it's been found that just 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period, which is not that long, can change the brain to such an extent that it can actually be measured on a brain scan. Just as toxic just as negative thoughts hurt your brain and pre-program you for unhealthy thinking, which then leads to unhealthy living, prayer heals the brain. Prayer renews the mind. It's precisely why Paul says to fix our thoughts on that which is pure and true and lovely and right and admirable. See, we worry, we freak out, we panic because our amygdala has been hijacked, screaming at us to prepare for the worst-case scenario. Abandon all logic. Abandon all reason. Just save yourself. From a more theological standpoint, Paul would tell us that, that your mind is being dominated by sinful thinking. Because when we think about it, what is worry? Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry is us saying, God, I don't think that you can figure this out. God, I think that this is actually beyond your control. God, I don't think you care. God, I don't think you see me. God, I do not trust you. Paul is, is telling us that, that rather than, than our sinful nature or our amygdala just doing whatever the heck it pleases, I am going to allow the logical part of my brain choose the truth that God has for me. You want to know why and why I think it would be wise for you to make that decision? Because God is eternal. Because God has your best interest in mind. Because God loves you. Because God is for you. God is so for you, in fact, that he sent his one and his only son to die for you so that you could still have a way to have a relationship with him. So, so I am going to choose to trust God's truths rather than the world's lies. Those, he continues, he says in Romans, in his letter to the early Christian church in Rome, he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, dominated by their sinful nature, dominated by their amygdala, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. C -c Come on. Whether you want to believe it or not, 
you are being controlled by something. Every single one of you, Jesus follower or not, we are all being controlled by something. And so I understand it's hard to let go. I understand it's hard to give that control to God. But, but, but isn't it better than being controlled by the world? Isn't it being better than, than being controlled by, by your sinful nature? You're being controlled by something. Why not hand the keys over to your all-loving, all-powerful, kind, compassionate, heavenly Father? Who lets us actually know ahead of time that it will be a life full of peace. That it will be undeniably better for you, for the people around you. We capture every thought. We take captive, as he says. We take captive. We capture every thought that is not from God, and we make it obedient to Christ. We replace it. We replace those lies with the truth that God has for every single one of us. We, we, we will no longer allow the lies circulating around in our brains to hold us back from living the life that God so desperately wants for us. For, for, for so many of you who are watching right now, the, the, the problem is, is that your God is too small, and, and your worries are too big, and, and you're trying to cram your worries into this tiny, little, slightly bigger version of yourself, God. And, and the reality is, you need a bigger God, and, and you need smaller worries, because your God is bigger than your concerns. God is bigger than your worries. God is bigger than your panic. God is bigger than your fears. For, for, for a lot of you, this would literally be a great practice for you to put into place. Where, where you literally got a bucket and you wrote on there, God. And every single time a, a fear, a worry, a concern started to creep into your life, and you know, oh my goodness, it's starting to become one of those runaway thoughts, you literally wrote down what that fear was, what that anxiety was, and you deposited it into that bucket. You said, symbolically, God, I am giving this to you. No longer am I going to allow this fear to run my life. No, I'm going to allow your truth to overcome those fears, to overcome that worry. Can I, can I perhaps peer into some of maybe your more skeptical brains, and, and I know what perhaps maybe some of you are thinking right now as you listen to this. That's cute. Live in denial. Just, just give it to God. Very self-helpy of you. Let, let me know how that works out when you actually need to pay your bills. And, and here's how very, very practically uh, I would tell you that you can live this out. Number one, do what I can do. Do those things that are within your control. See, see that, that skeptical part of the, that logic that I was just describing, that does come into play when you have that big exam and you don't study for it one lick, and you show up and you just say, God, take care of it. Any of you that have tried that method of studying have found out the hard way that it doesn't really work. So do what I can do. Study for the exam. Don't go hang out with your friends that night because you need to put in more work, because you need to study more. Budget. Enroll in Financial Peace University. Take every step that you can from wise financial counsel. Spend less money than you make. 
Do what you can do. Use the brain that God has given you to accomplish what you can. But then number two, give God what I can't do. Spend daily time with him. Go to him and share honest thoughts. Be honest with yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Say, God, I have truly done everything that is within my control, but, but there is still so much that is out of my control, and, and I want to give it to you. Meditate on his truths. And then number three, trust God no matter what. For, for those of you who often battle with worry and anxiety, and thoughts kind of just running amok in your brain. Can you even imagine a true heart of peace? A life of joy? A peace of mind that is truly impossible to explain? A trust in God that goes beyond comprehension? I'm telling you that that isn't like some distant fantasy. That's not just some pipe dream. I want you to know that that is possible. But make no mistake about it, it is a choice. It's a choice of where you allow your thoughts to take you. But back to our question that we've been kind of examining throughout this series. If your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, then are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? If you don't control what you think, you will never control what you do. As we wrap up this this four-part series that I know for so many of you has been so impactful my invitation to you would be to renew and transform your mind through prayer. Bathe everything that you do in prayer. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, it's not this fantasy thing, it is real. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace is available to every single one of you. And I'm telling you, it starts and it ends with prayer. You will be rewarded, God tells us, with a peace that is impossible for you to find on your own accord. As skeptical as you might be, I'm telling you, it's available. I used to be a person that was consumed with worry that was consumed with what's going to happen next. And I feel like, again, it's just like there's this peace now that exists in my life that doesn't make sense. And I'm telling you, it is so much better this way. It's not just an alternative. It is superior. It is better. Your God has your best interest in mind. You have probably wondered over this last week, why are there certain people around me that just don't seem to be freaking out about coronavirus? Why are there there's certain people that just seem to have this, this freedom and this peace about them? 
It's because they've found that peace that surpasses all understanding, and it's not something that they found overnight. It's come through daily, devoted, quiet time with their heavenly Father. Choose prayer. Prayer renews and it transforms our minds. There will always be a battle going on up here. And I'm begging you, allow Jesus to win the battle. The, the, the battle that, in fact, he has actually already won. To take that thought captive, capture it, and allow Jesus to replace it with his truth. And, and I'm telling you, when you know that truth, that truth will set you free.